Hey, some of the best life lessons I've learned have come through high school baseball and have come through youth baseball. One of the best ones I've learned was if you're on time, you're late. If you're early, you're on time. That was always something that instilled in me on the baseball field and has translated to other aspects of my life. And not just that, you know, being a professional and knowing what to wear. And that's why I think youth sports and baseball especially is so helpful in teaching kids to be, you know, basic human beings with, you know, good mannerisms. And I think that being a professional is everything in today's world and acting like you've been there before is everything in today's world. But acting like you've been there also should reflect having fun. And there's room for both. And I think youth sports in general is the way to do it. And so many of our kids in today's world are missing out on youth sports. So that's why I advise every parent that listens, put your kid in basketball, baseball, football, anything. It's going to build them up socially. It's going to build them up athletically. They're going to have fun. They're going to make memories that last a lifetime. But most of all, they're going to go through a point in their lives where they reflect back and use some of those lessons in their everyday lives. And that's something that I respect completely about youth sports. Ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast. Put your hands together for Steven Rizzotto. My name is Steven Rizzotto. I cover the San Francisco Giants for SF Bay, and I'm the host of RizzoCast, a podcast that features current and former big league players, coaches, fans, media, and others who are regarded as some of the brightest minds in the game of baseball today. Today's guest is Robert Abel Nakin, the owner of Coach Robert Abel Baseball School in San Francisco, head coach of the freshman baseball team at St. Ignatius High School, and husband of Giants assistant coach Alyssa Nakin. Robert's impact on baseball in the Bay Area is lengthy and successful, but he's still building it by the minute. We talk all of that coming up next. This is episode 125. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, we are here with Robert Abel Nackin. And uh, Robert, what's going on? How you doing? Welcome. I'm doing great, man. I'm enjoying this uh, wet weather here in San Francisco, but regardless, we we enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's never like we never see the the wet weather anymore. I guess now is the time of year where it kind of kind of flows in. It's been like freezing these past few weeks where it's like hitting like the high 30s and that's like cold for us. So it it is cool to see the the wet weather mixed in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we, we need it, that's for sure. Yeah, uh but no, you're you're definitely a real one man for for coming on here and being flexible. Uh, a lot of actually my my upcoming guests that I reached out to uh the last few weeks uh have wanted to shoot for after the new year's and we're recording this now it's uh it is um december 29th and kind of the lame duck area right before new year's of course um i know you're kind of all over the place did you get a chance to kind of relax and, and recharge the batteries with with the family uh these last few days i know you mentioned that there's still some left to see but uh, what have these uh holidays yeah. been like for you yeah yeah so you know um 
me and Alyssa got married last year officially. We had been together for eight or nine years prior to that. So um, the family got bigger, you know, and and my family's originally just from Woodland. So our, our Christmases were always very short. Uh, but now, you know, we have about two or three Christmases and we got another one this weekend um, with some family members that couldn't couldn't make it partly because of the traveling and all that craziness. So um, so we're going to we're going to have another one. But yeah, 100 um, percent over the years that I've been coaching baseball and being involved in the youth, you can really go year round very easily if you do not um, you know, lock in some some downtime. So it's it's much easier now. Obviously, Alyssa is back from off season. She has her off season now, so we're able to travel a little bit. And like we talked about prior to, just got back from Hawaii, so spent my thirty first, thirty excuse me, thirty fifth birthday out there. So that was special. But yeah, I'm ready to I'm ready to go. So I'm 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 working now. I'm ready to go, and we'll have another couple of days this weekend to enjoy some downtime. But um, we're gonna hit a uh, January uh, uh, running. That's for sure. So I always thought that like one Christmas was enough, but like three or four, I can't imagine like the food coma that you're going to be in, you know, by the end of this, it's going to just be absolutely insane. The amount of food that you're going to consume. So uh, good luck to you there. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the holidays, I guess, uh, you know, this, you know, this happens to me because I'm such like a baseball buff, but does your family like feel the need to like, do they feel implied to constantly give you baseball gifts during the holidays? Cause you know, like if you're unwrapping a gift, it's like, oh, look, a fungo or like, is it like, oh, it's new turfs or is it kind of all spread out and they don't just focus on baseball? Yeah, it, it kind of is. You know, I think we we me and Alyssa now are the ones that are gifting all that stuff out just because we have too much of it now. So <laughs> um, we're finding ways to kind of give that away just because we have a, a surplus amount of that stuff. So, yeah, it, it definitely prior to that, um, I you know, me being the one running the baseball, uh, the program, there was always a bunch of gear on my ends is, you know, trying to get it out of my house versus, you know, in the shed versus, you know, um, in a bedroom or whatnot. So we've been kind of overloaded with gear. So now it's the opposite. Now we're, we're giving it away to all the family members for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and one of the reasons Robert, why I wanted to have you on was because, um, you know, that there's very few names that I hear more than yours when it comes to, the San Francisco baseball scene. And I always say, yeah, I want to get more people on that coach in San Francisco. And your name always comes up. Uh, and, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, your wife, Alyssa, of course, is kicking ass with the Giants and, you know, being the the first full-time female coach on a big league staff. Uh, but but you're, you're doing great things too in the community as well. And, you know, a standout at Woodland High School, you know, played at USF, played at the University of Arizona. Um, why was coaching kind of the next step for you when your playing career was over? And why, why was that something that was appealing? Yeah. So I think for me, I, I feel like I benefited personally um, from all my coaches and all the structure and everything that kind of sport brought me in high school and even prior to that. And so, you know, as I was trying to find myself after the playing career, you really are kind of, looking around um, and trying to figure out outlets that you're going to go for your career. And and as I was kind of looking outward, you know, I, one thing I really didn't do was look inward to like, well, what am I been doing? What have I enjoyed? What have I uh, benefited from the most? Um, and it really was athletics and being on campus and working with, with young people and, and, and connecting with um, who were at the time, my teachers and my coaches, and now are, you know, my peers and people I, I, um, 
work with and, and work for and all that stuff. So, you know, the evolution of a student to, to the, you know, to the career was, wasn't necessarily a tough one because I was kind of always around. I was either a PE teacher, you know, I did that for six years. I, you know, I was a substitute teacher for a few years, just constantly on campus while I was trying to figure out what I really wanted to do. Then I just, you know, had a realization that, you know, I can do both, you know, I can, I can, you know, push my, my business itch, but also stay involved with baseball as much as possible, which is tough, especially when you're a teacher or you start out that way. So, um, you know, getting into the teacher realm, I kind of cut my teeth and learned how to really teach and, um, you know, learn the basics of it. And now, now I'm using all that stuff to become a, a great baseball coach and a, and a hopefully a, a good business person. Yeah. And a, a lot of players, we always hear about a lot of players, you know, they have, they have great success, you know, let's say in the majors or at the prep level or at the amateur level and college, whatever. Um, and, and they, for whatever reason, they can't translate a lot of great insight to younger players. Like they have trouble translating the instruction. Um, like I, I remember always hearing about Barry Bonds when he was the hitting coach for the Marlins, like such a great hitter. And um, it's a great example. Yeah. And, and he, for whatever reason, there's reports that he was having trouble like, Oh, why didn't you hit the hanging breaking ball 450 feet? It's like, yeah, well you could do it, but maybe the the third guy, you know, on the depth chart at first base, maybe he can. So was it, was it like a transition for you an adjustment period, like playing yes. and coaching that you had to deal with? Was that difficult at all? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah. There there is a transition from becoming a a person who's doing it and competing on the in the background and trying to serve the the um, the player at the time to the best of their abilities. And I'll tell you right now, anybody that's looking to get come from playing into coaching, it is no longer about you. And that transition of learning that it's no longer about what you did, and now it's like how to help this person who comes from a completely different background different upbringing, different, you know, thoughts on the game, different experiences. And, you know, I think a lot of young coaches run into that issue where they, it's not your swing. It's not your skill set. It's not you that you're coaching. And they really, I think to me, being six, seven years in coaching PE and teaching PE at that level, I was able to kind of take my ego out of coaching and take that perception of, you know, well, why can't you do it like this? Because I did it like this. Um, you know, that was out very quickly, you know, and I would, I would suggest, um, the higher you go up in levels, probably the more ego you have and the more ownership you have over what you're saying. And that is a, is a bad combo for a young coach. Um, you know, just coming in there and serving the player the best that they can at their level is a really good way to go. And, you know, that's what I learned over the first five, six years of, of teaching and transitioning from, you know, player to coach. Why didn't you hit that? It was right down the middle. He left a, he left a fastball at the top of the zone. Yeah. I, you know, you hear it all the time. So um, that, that's <laughs> definitely some good insight. Uh, and, and you founded the, the coach Robert Abel uh, baseball school in 2019. Uh, and I didn't realize until I was like finishing my prep for this, this morning that it's the acronym for crabs. And I was like, Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense now. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the program and uh, what you're doing at the school. Yeah. So this, you know, I, as I was, you know, this is about my third and fourth, um, I wouldn't call it tribe, but, um, iteration of, you know, coaching and helping youth baseball. 
um, whether it be in Woodland, I think I created a, um, a program there for two to three years where I was coaching high school ball. I was the Woodland Oaks. Um, and then in San Francisco, when I first got here, we started, a, me and my buddy started a, um, a program called the Ball Club Bruins that went um, for about two to three years. And then I kind of branched off and did my own thing, which was, you know, put my name on it. Um, which was a baseball school, just coach Robert at baseball school, which, you know, perfectly um, <laughs> uh, spells out crabs. And that has, you know, the crazy crab is, you know, the anti, um, you know, it's got some great, great history here in, in San Francisco. So I kind of played off of that a little bit. Um, but the main, the main thing is the baseball school and that it's, you know, when I first came here, um, and played for USF, I kind of seen the camps and the lessons that were going on. There was real no organized travel ball. You know, there was SFYBL, which is great. There's SF Little League, which is great. There's uh, CYO, but the more you go and the more options there are, it kind of peters out in quality. And, you know, from, I would say 10 years old to 14, when they get to high school, there's really a lack of um, serious training and consistent games at somewhat of a competitive level. Now we're not talking about like national level teams or anything or recruiting or bringing, you know, the best players on the nation on that team and winning. It's more like kids are showing up to high school baseball tryouts with a little league all-star jacket on. And they've missed the whole two to three years worth of development from 12 years old to high school. And that really hampers the competitiveness of San Francisco schools, what I've found out, you know, um, from my experience. And so I saw that as an opportunity for a business and, and for me to find my place as a, you know, a coach in the community. And so, again, I didn't want to come into San Francisco and be like, I know it all come play for me. We're the best teams out. And so that's why it's the crazy crabs. That's why it's San Francisco crabs. It's youth, it's development, you know, at their pace, not my pace, you know? So if it's for me, it, if it's for me, I'm going to go play for alpha baseball and I'll be their shortstop and I'm going to be the full ride guy. And, but that's not everybody. Um, and so it's, you know, to me, I just wanted to come and help the majority of San Francisco youth. And, you know, I think the, the, the need comes with the solution. And I think that's the San Francisco crabs. And one of the uh, things that I read on your website was that, um, the crabs, you said crabs isn't a travel ball team. It's a baseball school. So why, why is that important to kind of make that distinction for somebody who's maybe looking to put their kid into a program like the crabs? Yeah, that's a, you know, I, I thought long and hard about that. And the more I, more I, uh, stay in this baseball realm, the more you have to identify what you want to do, you know? And so when people see that, um, you're kind of eliminating the families that are just want to win, just want to go and put the really cool jersey on and say that, you know, we won a tournament and we're ranked number whatever, you know, on a whatever PG website. And I want to make sure I'm distancing myself from that. You know, do we go and play travel baseball? Yes. Do we go and compete and try to win tournaments? Yeah. But we are making it very clear to the parents that that is not our identity. And we're trying to help these kids grow and learn just like any school, you know, they're going to have their practice, their weekly practices. They're going to have their weekly tests. And, and sometimes that involves scrimmaging. Sometimes that involves playing in a national level tournament. It really is wherever their skill set are. I mean, there's some kids that don't know if they're left-handed or right-handed yet. We can help, we can help you, you know, and then there's some kids that are really trying to make it a passion and, and, 
make a run at maybe a scholarship or a starting spot on a varsity team, we can help you with that. Um, and if we can't put you um, in a position to succeed in a tournament, trust me, I know some people that you can go and play for if, if you're really that good. So um, I just, I just kind of looked at it as, you know, helping the kids where they are and not necessarily selling them on something that, you know, they're ideally, they're not really ready for. Do you get the dads that think that their kids are Ken Griffey Jr. as a eighth grader? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And still, even with me putting that stuff on the website, we got, we, Hey coach, um, you know, my kid's the next thing up he plays eight levels up and he does this and he does that. And, you know, those are the conversations. That's the red flag for me. Cause those are the ones that, you know, if, if I have a hundred families in my program, there's five of them that take all my time. And those are those five. And I, I don't care for those five. Those five can kick rocks. <laughs> I don't need that money. You know, I don't need it because it takes my time and my effort and, Alyssa knows because she hears me on the phone, just lighting them up. And so I have no problem letting them know, you know, and this is what earns my respect with the college coaches and the people that are really in positions of, of power and influence is they know that I'm not going to BS anybody. I don't need to, you know, I'm not a scout. I'm not a college recruiter. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not evaluating your kid to put them on some website, you know, like I want to get your kid better, you know? And so if you come to me, best believe you're going to hear some truth, but there's times where there's some really hard conversations, you know, and that's okay. And, you know, as we're trying to grow these kids, like that's what it's all about, you know? So if I need to tell the parent to back off, I definitely will. Um, I have no problem with that. It's funny. Cause I was, I, I sent a, a few friends and I'll have to send you the video. There's a video I saw on Instagram and it was this guy who was dressed up as a, uh, as a college scout. And he was going to like all these high school games <laughs> and he, he had a clipboard yeah. and stuff and dads were walking up to him and saying, what do you think about number 10? You know, what do you think about number nine? Right. And the guy was saying, Hmm, yeah. I think we might have room on the roster. And like, he was just completely playing with these dads. It was hilarious. And it was like, as I, I thought to myself, I was like, I got to do that. I got to like put a mic on me, get a camera, get someone with a camera and just like prank people oh, who man. think that their kids are going to go to the big leagues tomorrow at age eight. So that's my goal. Yeah, that's my it's goal. A, it's a real deal. It's a real deal. Yeah. It's, um, you know, my advice to those parents is they'll find you. Like if your kid's really that good, they'll find you. And plus it's the hardest thing ever to play college ball right now. Mm-hmm. You got all this stuff going on with the transfer portal and the COVID stuff. It's, I mean, it's minor league baseball. Yeah. Guys levels are ridiculous. Yeah. There's a big, there's a big, uh, kind of flow of guys that, uh, have gotten extended eligibility because of COVID. And so there's kind of a, like a, a back, a back jam of, of college players in the, in the, uh, in the collegiate level right now. Uh, I do want to ask about uh, another thing I saw on your website. And I thought this was really cool is your program. Uh, you you want to keep your players accountable and professional. And, you know, there, there's a lot of young players, especially in middle school, the middle school teams you have um, that it might be a new concept for them to, to learn that stuff. Uh, and I guess, um, you know, learning that what they put in is what they're going to get out of it. So is that, why is that a premium that you want to focus on with, with your school accountability? Cause I think it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that really any parent struggles with is how do they keep their kid accountable? They want to be able to raise young boys and girls, but how do you do that? You know, and I, th- I think that 
when you give when you give them ownership over their processes, whether it be a practice, how they wear their uniform, and you're putting the structure in front of them, then they can take pride in in matching that discipline and and being able to have that um, that thought process. I mean, we have some really hard conversations in the middle school arenas. It's it sounds like, hey, where's your belt? You know, um, in the high school levels, it's let's talk about your grades. You know, the things that they may not have great passion in but are valuable and that are needed at the next level. And what, what I mean by that is like, we got to get your high school diploma, dude. We got to get your college degree if that's something that you and your family value. Um, and and there are things that are going to help you get those things. And you may not like getting up at 6 a.m. to go to weight training when you're in high school, but you might have to do it. So we got to we gotta prepare them to do some things that they may not really like to do. And I think that's just about growing up and finding finding purpose. And if that means, Hey coach, I'm not going to play baseball anymore. I'm going to go and um, play the trumpet. Great. Well, you know, you know how to show up to class on time, prepared, uh, dressed, right. Um, sitting in the front of the class and in, in, in talking to your teacher outside of office hours or class hours. So um, these are things that are, you know, basics that I, you know, get from what I grew up with, you know, my coaches were telling me the same stuff. I didn't know, you know, um, backwards hat in the back of the row, not paying attention, trying to find the hot chicks, you know, like all that stuff, like we got to grow up. So, you know, these are all things that were no brainer into my, into my program. And, and to me are, are, are valuable care characteristics that I can bring to the parents and that, you know, these parents are very loyal if you provide value for their sons and their daughters. And I'll tell you right now, we have a very loyal um, family base and I'm really proud of, you know, the people and, and, and the players that choose to, to be in our program. Cause it's, it's valuable to me. They, they, they help me a lot. You know, they value what I provide. And if they, if this is not something they value, if they only want perfect game wins, you know, I don't value them. And it's a, it's a two-way street. You know, I think a lot of travel ball programs are upset when kids leave. I think I think it makes us better. Interesting. Yeah. Do you, so do you think that there's a way to balance the whole like act like you've been there before while also advocating for them to like just be kids, you know, and have fun with with the game and have fun with friends? Do you think that there's a way to balance those two? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I, I think that we're doing it in, in a certain in a certain ways, because we have a ton of fun at practice. We, we love that the kids enjoy being around themselves and, and hanging out with each other. So there's a lot of times that some of our drills are, they're playing one-on-one -on -one football in the outfield corner, you know, and, and understanding that this is still a sport that it, it's still middle school. It's still high school. Um, they're going to have these memories for forever. You know, they may not remember winning or losing the last championship game in, in Arizona, but man, when they're in the pool, when they're at that Airbnb that coach rented out like that, that stuff is that those experience will last a long time, you know, and this is, you know, me and Alyssa talk about this all the time is the experience that the kids get to have. Like, if you want to have the, the top end experience and travel all over the world, you can go find that. And that's okay. You know, um, but what I, I want to provide for our kids is a little bit of balance of community, a little bit of fun and a little bit of, you know, discipline and develop personal development. So we'll go and do those tournaments. We'll play those games, but you know, the value is in the experience and, and the kids develop in their community and their friends. Cause when they show up to practice an hour early to get in the cages, cause they know their buddies are going to be there. You'd be surprised how good they get over a year or two. So it's a lot of fun to watch.
Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of programs, they leave out uh, some of the the conditioning and the weight training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's often like uh, I, I've seen programs where it's like, OK, that, you know, you do that on your own like and then come to practice or whatever and it's it's never really as a team especially during the summer where it's it's very much not organized but you know your program seems pretty organized in that way and a lot of the kids probably have never been in a weight room or have had extended strength training and like for me I mean my first time ever like you know getting into any of that stuff was probably my like freshman or sophomore year so it's new for a lot of them so uh I mean how how why was adding the the physical element to your program important well and i think it was a need just from the physicality side of the clients and the 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 families that showed up you know like i grew up in woodland california where there's a fast food restaurant on every corner and most of the kids are 15 20 pounds overweight you know but we're big we're strong um, and we'll kick your ass. So, um, you know, it worked, but when here, um, I don't know what it's that we're not eating. Maybe it's the lack of gluten in the system or whatnot, but everybody's 15, 20 pounds underweight, uh, bones are sticking out left and right. And, you know, we got to teach them that it's okay to eat a little bit. Um, it's okay to have a second plate, you know, it's okay to, um, fall down and get back up. You know, it's okay. Like, um, you know, it's okay. And, and so we get after it, we got to make them tough somehow. You know, so we incorporate weight training. We incorporate a little bit of um, sprint work and, and some things that, again, they, they, there's guys that throw up at our workouts for sure. Um, and it's tough. I remember we had a family uh, ask us about it and they were like, are you still doing those Navy SEAL workouts? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like surprised that it just got around town that much that people were like, they go to the beach and they kick these kids' ass and like one to six kids are throwing up by the end of it. And it's like, you know, it's not something that we want to be proud of. Like we've definitely tailored that back. That's not necessarily the case. Um, but, you know, when you, you're coming out of COVID and you don't do anything and you're, you're under conditioned and you haven't been out of the couch and we got them outside and we were working and um, we would do a 40 minute workout and then we'd get into practice and so that really shook kids up you know and we we have fun with it you'd be surprised now kids show up and they shake our our coach's hand and say thank you at the at the end of the workout even if it's tough and so I think if we can do anything for the community is just getting them physically stronger um you know because you know they're getting hit with steroids right now their testosterone is boosting right now and if they don't take advantage of that they're they're missing out on God's gift to young um, boys and girls so grow up get strong um, move faster. And that's, that's about as general as we get, but we do it. Yeah. If, if we were wanted to win perfect game tournaments, we wouldn't do it because it would be a waste of time, but we want to get them stronger. Um, so they're able to make their varsity team and not be, a, you know, 130 pounds wondering why they're not driving the ball out of the park. Yeah. hundred percent. At some point you're going to need some, some juice on those, those shots in the gap instead of just the little <laughs> bloopers in the shallow left field. Yep. You're going to need some, some power. Mass equals that. gas, baby. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Uh, and you mentioned that like you're the, the program's very much a developmental school. Uh, do you get mad? And what I mean by that is like, you know, does mental mistakes, does mental mistakes piss you off? Does, you know, if a guy strikes out four times, does that make you mad? Is it the low effort play? What makes you mad or do you get mad? I definitely get mad. Um, I try my best to, uh, to find a way to find a way to translate the message before, 
before the the emotion takes takes precedent um you know one thing i've learned over the years of of coaching is what to do and what not to do you know and during the practice setting that's definitely my setting um and the coach's setting to to really overcoach and to over demand now in a game setting you know there's there's way less of that and to me, if a coach is screaming and yelling and, and getting upset about something in the game, to me, that means that they didn't fix it. They didn't have it right in practice. So that's, that's a big separation between the two, but yeah, we get, we get, there's, there's standards that are met. And if they're not met, then they're not met. And we have to deal with it right then and there. Um, you know, I've, I've kicked kids out of practices um, because of their attire of what they're wearing or their lack of wearing stuff. And this ranges from 10 years old to 18. And so those consequences are slightly different. You know, maybe it's a conversation with the parent asking them where the belt is um, or at 13, 14, it's like, Hey, you're sitting, you're not practicing today. Um, or if they bring the wrong Jersey, you ain't playing this weekend. Sorry, bud. You know, like today and their parents are running back to their car and I tell them, well, he's going to sit for the first few innings. So don't worry about rushing back. You know, and so there's, you know, it's, it takes a little bit of time to teach that stuff, but yeah, in practice, um, you know, it'll, it, it gets tense, obviously, depending on, you know, we work with 10, 10 years old, no one's screaming and yelling at a 10 year old, um, but 13 and 14, if they're, if they're, they don't want to be there, if um, they're competing in tournaments and their teammate is on the mound grinding it out and this kid is picking daisies, like that kid doesn't get to be on the tournament team, you know, and we'll have those conversations. So you're trying to find that happy medium between pushing them to their limits or way beyond. And every kid is slightly different. You know, some kids you can, God forbid, you raise your voice. Um, they're going to be fired up, ready to go. And then some kids, God forbid, you put a little bass in your voice. They absolutely melt into a puddle. And that's, that's just where they're at. So we try to help each kid. But as the levels go up, as the age group goes up, these kids got to figure out if this is something that they want to do or not because it gets harder each time you go up levels. And, you know, if it's a 14 year old kid that doesn't care so much, we'll identify that. We'll identify it very quickly. And then we'll have some real conversations with the parents about what they're paying for and, and their expectation level. So it just, to me, it's more communication with the families and the players. Um, but that's why you gotta, you gotta coach them up and you gotta learn who they are and what they like doing. And, you know, so you can best help. Yeah. One of the, one of the best, uh, the policies and shout out to, my head coach at Reardon when I was there, coach Brandon Ramsey, he had a great policy where um, if you missed a practice, you missed a game because there's always somebody there that's working harder than yeah. you. So that was one of the cool things that he, uh, he instilled in us and uh, to com to change topics completely here. And this is going to come out of the blue, but what do you think about launch angle and like exit velocity and the way kind of hitting is being taught? This is more so, I guess, at the, professional and collegiate level than maybe you teach a seventh or eighth grader but like do you like the the idea of getting more elevation and putting the ball in the air and you know extra base hits adds on to your slugging percentage and ops and stuff like that or are you still very much kind yeah. of like a just hit the ball hard somewhere because that's like kind of my camp and i know nobody really cares about my thoughts but like hit the ball hard somewhere that that's always my point of view what do you think about kind of the new way that that kids are being taught hitting and do you teach that i guess it's a great question so um 
So every level is slightly different. And if you're, if you're truly working on development, you know, with the, you know, you look at the game of baseball and you look at training and you obviously we want to match these to where you're productive in game, right? That's the end goal. Um, so with training, I think learning how to truly hit, you have to drive the ball in the gaps, period, end of story. So that means you have to hit it past the infielders. So if we hit it on the ground, there's five guys that potentially could get to it. Um, if you hit it on a line, right, these all can be, you know, we could put numbers to these, which is launch angle. The ball comes off the bat, straight back at the pitcher's head, height, you know, that has a pretty good chance to get through. Um, but still, five guys can still get it. But if you hit it slightly above those guys' heads, so I'm sure that could be equated to some type of 18 to 26 at launch angle or whatever, I'm, I'm assuming. If we can hit it in that arena, then yeah, it's going to go over the first round of infielders. And if you have enough juice, if there's enough gas, if you're on plane enough, then it can it can kick back and go go into the gaps a little bit more. And yes, definitely extra base hits are more valuable than 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 a single um, or a ground ball. But there are times in the game where there's a runner at third base, the infield is back, and all you got to do is hit it past the pitcher, and you got to run. Or you can squeeze them in, but every level is slightly different. So a ground ball is really valuable at nine years old because those guys can't catch it. I hear it now. I hear it in San Francisco all the time, especially public schools. I go visit some some of these, hey, just hit it on the ground. They can't catch it. And so you're just playing because they suck. The kids suck in the difference. So you just like hit it to their shortstop. He's not going to field it in time and he can't throw it. So great. You hit it anywhere. It's good. But if you hit it in the air, that guy can catch that. That's an, that's an easy out. And plus, you know, in high school, you know, balls in play are good. So you press it. That's how you win in high school. You put the balls in play and you, and you, and you pressure pretty simple. Now in college, depending on what college level, um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to give everybody credit that they can catch ground balls and fly balls, you know? And so you have five guys in the infield that can catch it and throw it. And so that normal ground ball to shortstop isn't successful no more. So as you go up in levels, and when I was at University of Arizona, we were ranked number one in the nation at one point in time. And when there was a ground ball to my third baseman, I didn't even back him up. I started running off the field. There's a deep fly ball to outfield. I'm hustling off the field. There's two outs. That guy's got it. That's an all, that's an all American out there. You don't know about him, you know? And so it has a real good comforting feeling that Ground balls are outs, fly balls are outs, and you got to juice that thing past this infield because we got some dogs out here. Um, and that is that's that's the level that everybody wants to be at. And you have to hit the ball in the air with some juice. And so that that is that is what's working at the big league level. And so you see pitching play off of that with you know with you know high RPMs up in the zone and and something down you're trying to do this and do that um you're starting to see lower vertical like um angle of the arm approach so the lower that it releases the the higher the jump you know and so you're trying to pair these you know they're trying to pair these pitchers off to get these 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 outs and so um yeah i think there's hitting i think is is a, is a tool that you should be able to put it anywhere and everywhere. Like if you need a ground ball, like let's have some barrel control and get it done. If you need a deep fly ball to sack fly this guy in, or you're trying to leave the yard, we should be able to, to do that as well. Um, but it, again, if I'm running a high school team, like we're, we're, we're controlling the barrel and there may, may be some times where, you know, we need that ground ball to get this guy in uh, because, you know, these aren't big leaguers. 
you know, these aren't D1 athletes right now. And they got to they gotta play the game to win. Um, but when it comes to teaching launch angle, I think that has kind of like a where you're just trying to get these skinny kids to launch the ball in the air. And, you know, once they get off of machines with some velo, that shit is gone. Like I, mm-hmm. I had a I had a really competitive youngster come in and he's, you know, playing on a really good competitive high school team and you put them on a machine and it's like six out of eight swings are just a swing and miss, you know? So the game, the game, the farther you go up in the levels, you find out what works or not, right? If you can't get to that 85 mile an hour fastball, there might be some loop in your swing, you know? And if you can't get to that 90, trust me, you ain't, you probably ain't going to get to that 85. So, you know, the machines have been a great um, addition to the world of baseball as it's gone. So if you can hit velo, you can, you can hit uh, plain and simple, you know, you'll figure out that off-speed stuff a little bit later, but yeah, you got to be able to hit some velo. So it's got to be flat enough. The swing's got to be flat enough to, to play, but you know, we got to drive the ball in the gaps. That's a great way to put it. And you mentioned something there that, that made total sense. And you said that, you know, a lot of the public schools in San Francisco, the kids suck and that might be harsh, but it's the truth. That's something that I've noticed too is that there's like a lot of kids in San Francisco that just are not good, like baseball players for whatever reason. I don't know if it's the programs at these schools. I don't know if, you know, less families are in San Francisco. I think that might have to do with it. Uh, But there's just not a lot of kids playing in San Francisco on the streets, in the parks. It's just kind of like a ghost town at times. And then you look at the East Bay, East Bay's killing it, you know, down there in like Danville, San Ramon area, Sacramento, of course, kind of, you know, where you're from, they've got just a pipeline of guys that are up in the big leagues, you know, every, every year. And even the South Bay with like your, your middies and your St. Francis's and your Valley Christians, they're killing it, you know? So for whatever reason, I, I, you know, kids aren't coming up playing baseball in um, San Francisco. And it's not just the San Francisco thing because we're losing great athletes to other sports each and every day. So if I were to ask you why baseball, why this is happening to baseball, why is baseball third fiddle to basketball and football? What would you say? I know it's very complex, so forgive me. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, football, football definitely, um, you look at schools, I mean, some of the the highest paid, like you see, like employees are football coaches. You know, you look at basketball, they're definitely next, you know, whatever brings in the money is what really drives it, you know, and there was at, you know, certain times in sport history, there's, you know, obviously soccer is like the world sport. Um, and then you got football and then you got basketball, but baseball, you know, it takes, it takes a ton of players. It has different gloves for each position. You know, it's, um, you know, it's, you know, I think it's, it's, I think it's earned the third fiddle. You know, I think it has, you know, a lot of kids here in San Francisco, there's 20 different sports you can play. You know, you could play soccer, you could play baseball, soccer. I mean, there's competitive skiers that join my program. I mean, and they don't even do it here. And I mean, <laughs> it's so diverse here in San Francisco that I think that might be the issue. Um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't know what field hockey was growing up. Like we had football, basketball, you know, wrestling, um, like, like five sports in high school at my public school. And there's like 20 sports that you could play here in in san francisco so i think there's so much variety that kids it, it, it's easier for them to play other sports now football i don't know if in the city if that is booming or not 
you know, our, our parents may be too smart to put their kids in that helmet. Um, and so we see a lot of, I think here in San Francisco, it's probably a second fiddle baseball is, uh, because no one wants to play football. You know, every time I hear it, I don't want to get hurt. So that's, that's the main thing. They don't want to put their kids into it. They're, they're so smart, but again, you're getting, these kids are probably not ready for that, you know, but I, I wish they would be, you know? So for me, I, I kind of like, I'm probably the only baseball coach that really pushes kids to play football. Um, partly because I, I think they just need a life lesson of getting punched in the face and getting back up. I think it's a valuable lesson that, you know, we can, we can get these kids on, on the right track if they, you know, had a boo-boo every once in a while. So, um, you know, I, I, I think baseball is right in a sweet spot. Soccer kicks its butt all the time. So they, you know, in San Francisco, we'd rather have a soccer field there uh, than a baseball field, you know, and it's, and it's tough. There's, you know, the renting the fields here in San Francisco is really difficult. Um, you know, the, you know, what you have to deal with when you do get on the field there with the homeless and needles and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I would, when we rented from San Francisco rec and park, we would have to, I'd have to take, get there an hour early just to fix the field up to have no needles, no glass and kick the homeless dudes off so we can get on there. And that's still at triple the cost of daily city, which we rent now. So we, we don't, you know, we're 99% of our players are from San Francisco, but we're, you know, we go South city, daily city when we want to rent and work there consistently. So yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and real quick before we head off, I do want to talk uh, about your your wife real quick. Uh, Alyssa, she's currently an assistant coach for the Giants, for those that don't know, and the first uh, full-time uh, female coach in baseball history. She's been at it a few years now. How proud of you? Uh, how proud of her are you? Very, very proud. Um, I'm not surprised on the influence and kind of the impact that she's having with the Giants and and her trajectory. Um, I, you know, prior to her getting moved over to the um, moving back over to the baseball operations side and 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 on the field, you know, she was she was shooting for the stars in in other jobs as well. So regardless of what kind of area she was going to go into, I knew she was going to be great. I mean, she's a great teammate for me. You know, she's, um, she's a can't miss employee. Like you, you, you wish, you wish, um, there was more people like her in, you know, positions of power or, you know, having an influence over a big group of people, just because she's, she's, she has great relationships with everybody. You know, she works her butt off. She's easy to talk to, um, and she cares about right, the right things. And so when you're you know, around these types of people, in the world that they live in like you need you need good people around and it just happens to be that she's a, a great worker and does you know amazing work for the people that um that she cares about so um the giants are lucky to have her that's for sure were you worried at all about like any backlash that may have hit because like you know people are nasty you know that for sure i mean you you talk to the the, the five dads on the phone about their kids and, and wanting to yep. be, you know, thinking that they're Ken Griffey Jr. Did you have any fear that like it would, you know, there'd be some rough patches with, with some backlash at all from the people that are so stuck in tradition? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's just part of the job, you know, that's part of coaching, whether it be the dad yelling at me or getting upset that their kid doesn't get to play or some no name person on Twitter or big name person on Twitter, just, popping off about her, you know, her gender or whatnot. So to me, it really, 
you know, to me, I knew those things were going to happen. You go farther in the comment section anyway, you can probably not feel so good. And so I know, you know, I know Alyssa and I have the discipline to kind of stay out of that arena. But, um, you know, I think it's just part of the job, especially, you know, at that at the highest level in the big leagues. So um, and, you know, I think criticism at the highest levels when you're running businesses and stuff is fine and normal. And if you can't take that criticism and and move forward and make make it better, whatever it is, your business, your job, your coaching career, like you have to or guess what? No one's going to sign up for the crabs. You know, they'll go somewhere else and you'll find out real soon how well someone does. Um you know, after a while. So she's definitely solidifying herself and, and I'm happy um, that she's fulfilled and she's challenged on a daily basis. Cause this is, you know, she's, she's great in those atmospheres. And I saw that when the Giants signed Shamanaya, I saw you guys are pretty pumped up about that. What is the connection that you guys have with, uh, have with Sean? Yeah. So Alyssa is very much into health and wellness and a lot of her trainer friends um, are in the PT work and, um, fit club down down the corner where we work at he i think he was connected with sean as he was working out with him in the off season and so sean was looking for someone to catch his bullpens and stuff like that and so i i definitely have done that in the past uh, for some guys and so he he instantly connected with Alyssa and was like yeah rob can definitely um do that for you and so we we kind of started um, at USF and Fairmont, which SI has, has that field just catching his bullpens and that turned into a couple years relationship. And, um, you know, in his last few years with Oakland, um, were awesome. You know, he'd come here, you know, two to three months and we'd work and he'd have his, his trainer there. So, I mean, he, he's a tremendous worker. He's got great detail, you know, a tremendous professional and also a really good dude. So, um, we connected right off the bat right off the bat. And that was a couple of years ago. So, you know, I'm happy that he go, got to, you know, go to the Padres. Obviously it wasn't, um, it wasn't great cause we had to play against him, but um, you know, when you're, when you're at that level, it, it's more about relationships because you know, these guys are going to go out there and compete and try to win and do all that stuff. Um, but it's nice to have the personal relationship with him. Cause he's a, he's just a good dude. So we're really happy to have him. Um, and you know, he, his, his girlfriend's awesome too. We've had a pretty good relationship with her. So she's a hoot. So, yeah. And, and just thinking about what the giants could do, like, you know, what they usually do with pitchers of the caliber of that, you know, that Sean is kind of hit a bump in the road last year, you know, that they're going to do something, you know, to either his, his repertoire or his mechanics. And he's just gonna, he's going to do really well next year. I could see it. Um, Robert, man, I appreciate you coming on. This was awesome. Uh, you know, best of luck to you, uh, with the crabs. I know I didn't even mention that you're the, uh, the head freshman coach at SI San Ignatius high school in San Francisco. So good luck on that. And, uh, we'll, uh, we'll definitely stay in touch. All right, my man. Thank you so much. I had a blast. And you guys could follow, uh, coach Robert Abel Nacken on Twitter is at, I have it right here in front of me is at coach Robert Abel, uh, Robert. Yeah, Robert Abel. And then, of course, on uh, Instagram as well, uh, he is on there at coach underscore Robert Abel. So go check him out there. And, of course, the podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at RizzoCast and Instagram at RizzoCast. And Happy New Year. This is the last episode before 2023. So we'll see you in the new year and have a great day.